0: Imagine what it would be like if we were really curious about each other.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now here's your host for this week, Carlene Cannon. Welcome, Larger Story family. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Relational Spirituality Podcast, where you can belong, become, and be known. I'm really excited today. I have someone very special joining me, my son-in-law, Jimmy Hill. I think it's trite, the whole conversation about mothers-in-laws and son-in-laws, but I'm very fortunate to have, I hope, a good relationship with my son-in-law, and he's someone who I am very delighted by and very grateful for. So Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. I know this is a little bit unusual and I think that's part of what makes it special. So glad you're here. Um, Before I get started, I want to tell you a little bit more about Jimmy than just that he's my (laughs) son-in-law. He's very accomplished on his own front. He graduated from Duke University with a degree in global health and history Did I get that right? Is there something else? Okay. Uh, He's married to my daughter. They've been married for three years and they currently teach and both of them teach school in Memphis at Kingsbury high school. Jimmy is an economics teacher and a soccer coach. They have a lot of fun there and are doing really important work in the lives of students there in Memphis. Anything else I forgot to, oh. It's important. Jimmy also worked for Larger Story between graduation and and so he has some familiarity with the work of Larry Crabb and Larger Story through his time with us and then just being part of our family. So I think you're gonna enjoy hearing from Jimmy about his experience as we're focused this quarter on the book Soul Talk and having conversations that matter. So I thought it would be good to hear from someone who to come into this as an adult, and it was shoved down your throat a little bit. I'm not sure that you were always eager and pleased with some of these conversations that we were trying to have. So I think it'll be good to hear from Jimmy today. Thank you so much for being on here with me.
0: Of course, no. thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk.
1: Thank you. Maybe that's a good place to start. What was it like for you coming into the larger story experience in the work that you did and even before that is you were at duke with ivy my daughter and, and you guys built a community with what 2025 20, other students and i think she was pretty focused on engaging in these deeper broader conversations and so you got pulled in first i think through her but then working with larger story what what's that been like for you
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, so in high school, I definitely found my first ever people. I think that was the first time I was ever introduced to the idea of real friendships where it might actually cost you something because they were hard and uh, they required a lot of effort, but also there was a lot of joy that comes out of them. And then, so I was born in Washington and then raised in California, and I ended up going to school in North Carolina, so it was really far. Moving to Duke, I was, like very worried, very nervous, very insecure. And so my first year in college was pretty hard in that sense. I didn't necessarily know the best ways to make friends. I did my own thing. And I was a part of crew in and out for my entire first year. Um, Not super committed to it, A lot of it was because I felt that everyone else had much stronger relationships than I did, and it felt like there was too much effort to try and push my way into that. And then a few guys pursued me and pulled me in, and so I decided that by my second year I was gonna put a lot more effort in. And that's where I met Ivy, was through Crew. She was a year younger than me, so. We, like, knew of each other in the first semester, her first year, my second. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lot of mutual friends. One of my best friends is Brandon, and Brandon was getting very close with um, Ivy and a lot of the other people in her grade, and so he was slowly connecting me. I think that was the first time in my life that I actually started to believe that I might have something to offer. So I think mm-hmm. that as these, like, relationships started to develop, it was a part of... Partly it was me being able to start asking questions of others and believing that they actually would want to answer them. And also then, on the flip side of that, believing that people had questions and were genuinely curious about me and my inner world and my thoughts and where I was from and who I was as a person. I think Ivy, part of the reason why I was so attracted to her in the first place was that she is very um, intentional asking lots of questions and I think it's very easy to feel seen by her. Um, I think that's in a lot of ways where our relationship started was I felt very safe and comfortable to just talk. Um, And so from that, I started to hang out much more with her and her friends. And I think that she really had taken on the ideas of Larry Crabb and then from Larry Crabb, from your family and believing in like fostering a community that actually seeks to get to know each other in a deeper way and process through things. And so at times that was really difficult. I think it was easy when you're talking to the girl you like, like it's a lot easier to be vulnerable. But then joining her friend group, I had a lot of hesitancies that it would be her group, not mine, that they would be her relationships, not mine. And so I think that was really tough at first. But I think because one of the implicit values of the community was that there really shouldn't be in groups, out groups. There shouldn't be hierarchical relationships or people who everyone's trying to hub around that it would become more of a safe, equal place. And I I think there's always problems with that. It doesn't always work out as people's stories interfere and interact with that and different insecurities and stuff like that. But in general, that was definitely one of the the goals. And so I think I felt very empowered in a lot of moments to actually ask questions and get personal. I think growing up, I'd always assumed that could be invasive or not necessarily in the best heart or spirit, maybe more an aggressive questioning stance. And mm-hmm. so I started to believe and I believe I that other people were really generous. No, we actually like it when you are engaged and ask questions and um, step in. And so I think that was a very unique experience and kind of a lot of my mindset shifted in that, starting to believe that people actually might want me to get to know them and ask questions. And mm-hmm. so I think from that, like, I I took on a very strong commitment to community partly because of that partly because of other elements of my story but like having people around you being willing to be vulnerable those types of things became very essential to who I was and to my relationship with Ivy I think personality wise stuff like that there's always going to be differences and so I think being in a relationship with Ivy we had to navigate a lot of what does community look like and I think at our worst moments community could become one of the things that was the most fraught the most fights over that. And what is the purpose of community? What does community look like? Different visions of it? What is a, some, like an essential element of community versus just what is a priority of community? Yeah. Stuff like that. And so I think by like my senior year with Ivy, a lot of those questions had become wrapped up in the family dynamics and what is it like to enter into a new family? What does it look like to participate in the way they understand community? And there were things that I wasn't sure I was willing to give up, and there was things Ivy wasn't sure she was willing to give up, and so trying to navigate what that looked like and were these things actually important to us? Um, and so some of those it just takes a lot out of you. Community is tough and it's hard, and it's not always going to be good. Um, and I don't know fully where I was going with that, but that just could lead to a lot of difficulties. Um and so I think from that I had felt in some ways hurt by community, but also still deeply committed to it. So after I graduated, I moved to Atlanta where I stayed with y'all. Y'all are very generous and gracious to let me stay with you for a year. I worked for larger story. And it was easy for me to take a lot of the conflicts that we'd had as a family and kind of project it onto Larry Crabb as a person and blame him for conflicts we had could be his fault. And so on the negative side of that, I think I had a lot of like very bitter feelings towards like certain buzzwords or ideas or thoughts around some of his thinking. But on the other hand, I think it also was good because it I had to like really deeply think about everything Mm -hmm. since I was coming in with such a like hesitancy around certain topics. For example, one of the things we talked about was like, what does it mean to have like deep conversations? Do those have to be through one-on-one conversations? Can those be like larger? At what point does a conversation become too large to where it's a few people interacting with one person and everyone else is left out. And I think I'd struggle with that a lot because my personality didn't always enjoy that or feel seen by that or concerned other people weren't necessarily feeling seen and is there a right way to do that or wrong way is my way the right way so just like with all those things going into that i think i was thinking very deeply about a lot of these ideas and so working with larger story was both one of the hardest things i've done because i wasn't sure how i always felt about things but also really good because i think i i had to seriously consider what he was talking about and how i fit into this and how it applied to me and my life and my relationships and yeah i think by the end of it i can definitely say that i really respect larry and all his work and i at the end of the day i'm deeply appreciative of his thinking and how he has carved a space out for community and relationships in a way that even if i don't always agree with everything he says i don't think many people are talking about that in the way they should and i think for better or worse, like that will shape a lot of Ivy and I's life and how we pursue people and jobs and careers and where we live for hopefully the rest of our lives. But yeah, that's a broad overview. I don't know if I fully answered your question, but.
1: Oh my goodness. I, there are so many things I could follow in what you said and just reminds me of one of the reasons I enjoy talking to you, Jimmy, is I always feel like you're very honest and, And you do think deeply about everything that you say. So I just appreciate that. I would, gosh, I I seriously had so many questions. One of the things that maybe encompass a couple of other things, you used the phrase that it made you feel empowered. And I wanted to follow that a little bit because I think if I recall correctly, There was this linkage of being pursued, exploring curiosity a little bit, discovering how people responded and how they felt about it. And that at some point then that gave you some confidence and made you feel empowered. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And then what that sense of, I don't know, empowerment, comfort, confidence, how that sort of infused itself into the way that you pursue relationship and community and conversation.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think like growing up, I was an extremely outgoing, I think I'm very extroverted, but Mm -hmm. I did not always realize that growing up because I was also deeply insecure and we moved around a lot. So relationships to me were something that was very temporary and fragile. I usually assumed that either I was going to leave or the other person wouldn't want to be in relationships. All relational encounters were in some ways dangerous almost. I was very much focused on how I felt that they perceived me and all these different things, which I think by the time I got to college, I was starting to realize that's, one, I was just starting to understand myself and how I reacted to things, but also I was realizing that, like, that's a very like, selfish way of being. It like centers mm-hmm. you in the story of mm-hmm. everything and mm-hmm. I was always never thinking about the other person I was always me like how would they perceive me how are they thinking about me where mm-hmm. am I in their list of friendships or relationships and so I think as I started to develop I started to to realize that I belonged both to God and to others and and to have that mm-hmm. kind of that almost a freedom that in part was through people genuinely asking me questions and being curious about me and realizing like, oh, I do have an inner worth that other people are desiring to pursue. And then I think as people pursued me, I then started to realize, oh, I also have a burden to pursue others. Plays back into all the danger. If if I ask too many questions, are they going to walk away? Do they want me to ask questions? Do they want me to be here? And I think it, it really took other people in conversations expressing how I was affecting them I think Larry talks about that a lot like making Mm -hmm. sure that as you're in conversations especially difficult or deep or vulnerable conversations being pretty regular about checking in with how Mm -hmm. each person is feeling and I don't think I had any of that language but as other people would say how I was impacting them in the moment I think that started to allow me to stop second-guessing myself or second-guessing where I was. Mm-hmm. And you do have to trust. You have to trust the person's not lying to you and that they genuinely are being truthful about how they feel and how you're impacting them. But I mm-hmm. think the more feedback I received in that way, the more empowering it was to then go out and do that in return. And I think the negative side of that is that it can, sometimes I almost was too empowered. I, I started to almost lean into the questions, like this idea that people would open up and not that I didn't genuinely care about them, but that there was a point where I did feel a sense of power Mm -hmm. or self. Parts of my identity that I wanted to be true felt more Mm -hmm. true when I was able to ask people vulnerable questions and they would respond and allowed me to, to feel as if I was having an impact and being important. So that's on the negative side, I think that can be true is that the questions can become for you rather than for them but i think on the positive side like you have to for some people like me you had to i had to get to a point where i felt free to even ask those questions Uh, and i think that's where the empowerment comes in a lot is other people giving me feedback demonstrating that at the end of the day like i couldn't do or say something that would just break the relationship or i didn't have to second guess every single thing i said and um
1: I'm reminded of, in listening to you talk about that, both the, the sort of early insecurity and I think if I use your words correctly, the focus, the inward self-focus on your own performance, if you will, and then even how the empowerment could also kind of circle back on you and bring the focus back to yourself. One of the things Larry talks about in, in his book is the difference between self-talk and soul talk. And I think you just articulated a lot of what he's getting at is that when it's when the conversation is about me and energized by me and about proving something about me or my demands or my requirements, it quickly goes awry. (laughs) And it's not the kind of conversation that we're talking about here because. These conversations are intended and designed to be other centered and it is the spirit that energizes them. And so I really appreciate your honesty and just your sharing with us how you wrestled through that as you came into this kind of environment where there is a high priority on deep interpersonal conversations, knowing each other, being seen. You you talked about the power of someone seeing you and just how meaningful and transformative that can be those are all really good things until we take control (laughs) so i appreciate that self-awareness and acknowledgement on your part i think that's really important you used another phrase when you were first talking that really intrigued me and i wanted to unpack that a little further you said that as you guys were interacting in community and i think you were still talking about back in the duke days when you guys were all in college that people's stories would interfere and interact with what was going on. And I found that an interesting way, I think I have a sense of what you might've been getting at, but I found it a really interesting way to to verbalize it. So could you tell me a little more about how people's stories interfere and interact in community yeah, from your perspective?
0: No, definitely. I think like we as people are just like these, Super complicated, multifaceted individuals mm-hmm. with—we're bringing a lot to the table. Whether it's personality, experiences mm-hmm. we've had, ways of viewing the world, and I think, like using the with soul talk, in being focused on the other isn't focused on you. But there's so many parts of us that want to get in the way, interfere with that, and yeah. then they become self-talk and. Using an easy example with me and Brandon, he's one of my best friends. He was also in the community of Duke and he was with me now Mm in Memphis. I, as I was feeling much more confident in myself and understanding the way the world worked a little bit, I was also deeply desiring relationships. I wanted as many relationships as fast as I could get them Mm because I didn't feel the same fear I used to feel. And Brandon had been someone who had pursued me Mm -hmm. from very early on, had put a lot of effort and energy into that. And because of my story of not feeling able to enter into relationships, I Mm -hmm. suddenly, now that I was, I wanted as many of them as possible. And in so doing, I neglected the ones I had a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. With Brandon, my story of not feeling like I was worthy of relationships, not having them, feeling they would always end, meant that when I didn't feel a lot of those same restraints, I didn't necessarily focus on what I had. And so I was just pursuing relationships to pursue relationships and they were much more like relationships that were self-gratifying and that I could get something out of that maybe if that person really did some like things that I liked or maybe they were very they complimented me a lot or basically like I could get stuff out of the relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when I didn't necessarily feel as if I could get something out of the relationship with Brandon, I wasn't able to engage with him to the same degree. So our relationship was very like caught in the self-talk like all the energy at least from my direction to his was very much in the what can you do for me what can what what purpose do you serve me and so I think that's a that's one example of my story how it interfered with my ability to connect to him and then also to connect to others who I was pursuing a relationship with so I wasn't being honest with anyone or myself and just things that had happened in the past that maybe even were not my fault or that were just things that you can't control how often you move or how what happens in relationships or friendships. Yeah. But I took that and as I became an adult, I, I used that in a wrong way or something. I think that's one way my story specifically interfered and continues and can still interfere with my relationships today, where in my flesh I will default to pers- like spending time with people who are the easiest to be around or who mm-hmm. I get the most out of or avoiding the challenging people or people who, I don't know, I just might not want to talk to in that moment.
1: Thank you so much for your honesty and your self-awareness. I think that's a good caution and a good example to all of us to check ourselves because we're always bringing our own story and our own self-interest into a conversation. And one of the, one of the components uh, that Larry outlines in Soul Talk is to think passion. And when he says that he means to think about what's going on in you. And you, you can't always fully know and understand what's going on in the other person, but you always know what's going on in you. And to just be aware and honest that those are my, that's myself, you know, making, uh, interfering um, in, in the interaction. And so can i repent and um, invite the spirit to do a different work in me and not let that hinder what's happening in the conversation thank you for sharing that with us i think that's something we can all identify with we all enter relationships with our own agendas and our own needs and not that that needs are bad but oftentimes my needs becomes the most important thing in the room. And that's when that interference starts to happen. So I think that's a good reminder. I asked this question, Ivy was on here a few months ago with me and I asked her this question and found some of her answers really interesting. So I wanted to ask you this as well. What or how does what you've learned in community and what you've learned about having conversations that matter how does that translate and impact your work with your students and teaching? And there's it's a completely different kind of environment, but obviously you're having important conversations all the time. So how has that shaped how you approach teaching high school students?
0: Yeah, definitely. One thing I'm very thankful for is in our current educational moment, there is there's a large push to try mm-hmm. and figure out how to build community and specifically communities centered around like questions and discussion and seeing each other. And I, I think that going through school and then now teaching, I was able to bring a lot of what I'd learned in community in have both a the theoretical understanding and like more practical understanding um, of that. And a lot of that I think goes into just you're with 35 kids in a room and they rotate four times a day, you had a lot of kids, a lot of needs. And most of the time, they don't necessarily know what they're thinking or feeling a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. especially the younger ones. And I didn't realize how essential of a skill it would be just to know kind of what questions to ask. I do it wrong all the time. But I think if this had been four or five years ago, I would have felt completely inadequate in this. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I do think questions and like knowing what the next one's going to be and how to phrase it and all those kinds of things is a skill that has to be nurtured and grown and I don't think it was Mm -hmm. something I was good at I think it's something I've grown much better in Mm -hmm. um, kind of trial by fire um, in a lot of ways Uh, so I think being able to see them I think like the hardest part about teaching is that it's it is always easy to have something else that you have to do that's more important and in that you miss the child I I struggle with that all the time like knowing I have x or y deadline or the kids trying to talk to you in the middle of passing period or maybe they can't fully express what they want to say but they're clearly trying just being there and not leaving or and that's something that I think the hardest part for me is knowing that there's so many needs in that community that I will not be able to satisfy or uh, being able to trust that there are other people that there's other places that that can happen because i do think that since kids are spending so much time at school that that is where most of their relationships will either be in the house or in the school it's their primary spot you're gonna have all the difficulties of family of friends of um, teachers adults and i think a lot of kids don't have positive images of what good relationships look like. One of my friends was telling a story, I think, yesterday, where one of the reasons, she works for middle schoolers, so they're already chaotic (laughs) beyond, but she talks a lot about how you can tell which students expect to be responded to with yelling or anger, and how you can almost see them deflate versus she was talking about how she's realized that when she's able to take herself on and not engage in anger, even when a kid's doing the most annoying thing, the kid is actually surprised and doesn't know how to handle that and Mm -hmm. because they've never seen it before. It's not something Mm -hmm. they're used to. They expect that if they do something, the response will be anger getting bigger, flexing Mm -hmm. authority. And so doing the opposite a lot of times is catches them off guard. And I just thought that was a really beautiful picture of these relationships are all really complicated and, and being able to take yourself on and be aware of your own issues and how those issues are then going to play onto the kids. Um, Ivy does a really good job. She's gotten much better at being able to express to her kids where she's at. So if she's in a bad mood, she's become Mm -hmm. very vocal. Like, guys, I'm in a bad mood. This is not you. You have not done anything, but things that maybe wouldn't annoy me normally are going to very much get on me mm-hmm. i think that it's something i've now tried to use a lot more and it is really impactful like it, it does change the behaviors that they are able to see you as a person rather than just an authority mm-hmm. figure and i think that's i don't know if that fully answers your question there's a lot of
1: community no i i really like what this. you're saying one of the things larry talks a lot about is disruption and the power of a holy disruption, if you will. And a lot of times, he's referring to saying the thing that is hard to say or lovingly pointing out something that needs some attention. But I think what you just described was a beautiful disruption of really surprising someone with a loving response. Your friend who's noticed that these students are expecting anger and then surprising them with what proverbs says this right a gentle response turns away wrath that's the that's a different kind of holy disruption that especially in a situation like what you guys are facing where you're dealing with so many talk about stories that interfere you've got hundreds of them on any given day those kind of softer gentler disruptions that are surprising really do have a lot of staying power and make a big difference. I love the way you guys take yourselves on in your, you're building a career. There's a lot that goes into that, but because it's such a relational kind of job, you're both really faithful to take yourself on in that every day. I think that's beautiful and I'm very grateful. So Um, I love the
0: language of disruptions. I think that's a really good way to describe it. I think the back to the original question, just community. I think the thing I would mm-hmm. most say is now that you've said that and boiled it down, it really is just like all these stories and learning how to understand yourself helps you understand mm-hmm. all these other people around you. And then they can disrupt you and you can disrupt them and it just creates space for a lot of growth and change in that. and
1: that. Wow.
0: Yeah. I, I love that language of disruption. That's I do, that's very cool.
1: I like the way you just tied that into cultivating a space that is co- where it's comfortable or at least acceptable to disrupt is I think a really significant part of how spiritual formation happens in community and in relationship it can't be the only thing and like I said Sometimes disruption is thought of as more, I'm going to sock it to you and give you the thing you don't want to hear. I don't think that's what we're, <laughs> we're talking about here. But I do think having that kind of open, spacious culture, if you will, does make a big difference. And it is part of what Iron Sharpening on all the Proverbs, they all talk about this stuff in, in their own way. And you guys are living that in a unique environment with your students. And so I appreciate that. I think that's really important let me just ask you we've got just a few more minutes i want to ask you one more question how does how do you experience spiritual formation and how do you experience community nurturing and enlarging your relationship with god i know the way i grew up and, and most of modern evangelicalism still thinks of relationship with god as an individual kind of effort and there's certainly a necessary individual focus and very particular relationship, but the Trinity is a community. How do you experience community really enriching your personal relationship with God? Yeah, definitely. Man,
0: I don't think I'm going to be able to do justice to this question. Uh, (laughs) I think it's something I've been grappling with a lot. Because like you said, I do think that kind of the common narrative in American evangelicalism is this, it almost borders on self-help of you have an interior world, you do these 10 things and not even necessarily in a legalistic sense, not don't hurt someone or don't lie, but almost more in a, if you read your Bible, if you go to church every Sunday, if you pray this many times, then your relationship will be good. And I think that those definitely play a part for sure. But I think at least for myself, I can get very wrapped up in my own world and at a certain point, just, doing those things can become very gratifying in and of themselves rather than for any purpose they might achieve. And I Mm -hmm. think without people and other people's messiness and your messiness and all those messinesses interacting and combining, I don't think that there's really a way for you to fully understand yourself. I Also, I don't believe that we as individuals have a identity that is formed outside of community. Whether you're talking about roles or whether you're talking about like how you as a person are shaped, like you there's too many people around you for you not to be shaped by them and the institutions they've created. And so I think probably the most challenging thing for me is in community, making sure that my community isn't just a self-gratifying community, but is a community that actually does challenge and Mm -hmm. does not even the accountability sense but just in the if there's differences how do you navigate those differences what does it look like to conflict what does it look like to have differences of opinion and yet still be able to care about the other person Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: what does it look like when loving someone is hard or you're difficult to love and Mm -hmm. being willing to stay in a relationship when you don't feel as if you're either worthy of love or the idea that maybe you're being too difficult and you'd rather just not avoid the whole thing. I think that's where all that pushes you towards God. I think it also, if God is love, then the only way you can truly experience love is through other people in a lot of ways. And so I think with community, it provides that opportunity. It also provides the opportunity for the opposite. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle with it is even as community and relationships are the avenue for the greatest times and moments of love and joy they're also the biggest for the opposite for rejection yeah. for yes. anger for all the way up escalating to hatred or mm-hmm. whatever it is but i think that because there's such extreme possibilities it can be easy to either avoid mm-hmm. them and just stay in the middle and keep it safe and comfortable or just avoid them entirely and yeah So i don't know i I think that's how it's probably most how i would think about it in relation to god and just that through others we can see him
1: what i really loved about what you described is in everything you said what i heard was that in both the positive and negative of community and relationship there is great opportunity that god is offering you an opportunity in each situation to know him, to know yourself, to connect. Uh, He's offering you something significant and beautiful, whether it's a positive interaction or a negative interaction. I really admire and appreciate that mindset. I think that's, I think that's necessary to navigate some of the challenges, but I also just think it's holy. I think that is what God's doing. And so I really appreciate your articulation of how You experience God through community. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I think we had a really important conversation that mattered to me. I hope it mattered to you. And I always appreciate learning more, hearing more of your story. And I really do enjoy deeply wrestling with these things out with you. And I learned a lot today. So thank you so much. I hope we can do this again sometime.
0: No, thank you. I love the questions. They they made me think about things in a way I haven't in a long time. So that was a lot of Good. fun. Um, I really appreciate this, and um, yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, and larger story family. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed um, our conversation together. Uh, we just look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you so much. Blessings, everyone. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.